You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 35. Episode 35, we're uh, getting it out. So, Tyler, I actually went and tried a new poker room out. You had been, I think you'd already been there once or twice. Had you been to Legends before? Um, I've been to Legends. That was that boat over boat session last week. Oh, ouch. Uh, So, ended up going over there and giving it a shot. I have to say, I was kind of pleasantly impressed it's, I mean, a very, it's kind of a basic poker room. It's one of those things where you kind of been to one, you've been to them, a lot of them at this point. The big thing I do like about it is they have kind of decent cheap food. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big deal when you're trying to play those long sessions. It can definitely play a big factor. I mean, I've not been the biggest fan of some of... The I mean, one is like a lot of the places have like $20, $25 plates, which I don't mind paying $20, $25 for a plate if it's good food and I'm, you know, going out with my wife or something like that. Uh, paying $20, $25 for shit food while I'm eating it in between hands at a poker table, that is not exactly what I'm going for. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because you pay that money and then while you're eating, people are like, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> It's yeah. on you. It's on you, and you're sitting there biting into a dirty chicken wing. Not a dirty chicken wing, a uh, seasoned chicken wing, so your hands are dirty. I mean, that's like to me that makes no sense to serve at a poker table. Is like not the dry rub wings, but I've seen people eat the like the what would be wet wet wings, I guess. Oh God, that would be horrible. Yeah, I I love the they have a lot of food that makes sense. It's good. I mean, it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like crazy, crazy great, but it is. I thought it was pretty damn good, and you know, it's a lot of options from like eight to like sixteen, fifteen, sixteen bucks. It was a, I was real impressed by the that, but uh, decent amount of TVs. Pretty big. I mean, it's. I mean, it's kind of become the new place to play in Houston, right? Yeah, I agree. Um... So I guess you got on a table pretty quick, or? Yeah, I got on the, uh, I got on a table pretty quick, and, you know, I've kind of just, I'm, my sessions have been so swingy, out, off the Vegas trip where I was running really hot, came off hot, and then hit that downswing, and now I've been doing pretty good, I'm coming back up on an upswing, and I am just rolling, I mean, getting, hitting hands, getting top pair, getting paid off, and I think I was in for 400, I had about six. 50 in front of me but somebody at the table suggests that instead of regular bomb pots we do plo bomb pots this gets dicey so i don't remember my other two cards i remember i had two three i say spoken like a true plo player yeah that's it uh i know i had two three and i know i had two spades in there so, the flop comes out ace 4 5 on one board giving me the absolute nuts with two spades. Now my flush draws only to an 8. 
So I'm so I'm you really like having these spades as blockers more than anything. Uh the other the other one board, I mean I have no shot at. I'm hitting nothing. So I end up betting because I have a nut hand. I want pressure put pressure on the other hands. Uh there's a call, another call, a guy jams all in for like like sit uh, it was probably like no, he didn't go all in because I did have some money behind and we got it and he had me covered. Uh, but he makes it like 340, 400, 345, 400. I got like 140 behind or something. It folds around and I'm like, God. And he's like, well, he's like, you can fold. I'll show you. I'm like, nah, I got the nuts. I'm not folding the nuts here. So I'm like, let's get it all in right now. I mean, I would have 140 behind. He's like, okay. I do it and he, I call and I'm like, I have no shot at the other board. So all I'm praying is please don't pair the board. It comes out a five to pair the board on my top board. I'm like, God, no. <laughs> and then it comes out a jack. I got no shot at the other board. And he's like, oh, look, I got a full house on both boards. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, I'm rolling, trying to get something good going, and then, sure enough, the first card off there pairs the board, and I am just, I'm just distraught. Everybody's like, oh, that's such a bad beat. And to hit the full house, he had pocket jacks. He hit a jack on the river to get jacks over fives. Oh, wow, so he didn't have a set on the flop on your board. I thought the five gave him the boat. No, I, I mean, I was scared of that, but it's... The five gave him the vote eventually, so I'm sitting there, and I mean, we're we're everybody's like, oh god, that's such a bad beat, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, oh god, I've been working four hours get building the stack up, and I'm like looking at my cards, and I'm like, ah, look, I even hit the flush. The five gave me the flush, but the flush is still no good. They're about to muck the cards, and I all of a sudden look at my cards. I'm like. Wait, I have two three of spades, and I have a straight flush up top for probably the most the worst slow roll maybe <laughs> in the history of the world. I mean, everybody knew that I did not see it because I mean, mostly because I was just crying, you know, at the table. But it was a uh, and then they're like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "I mean, literally about to muck the cards." When I was like, I was so distraught on seeing the paired board. So distraught seeing the the uh, hearing he had a boat, I didn't even realize that I had hit the straight flush on the uh, five. God, man! I mean, I think you've told a story similar to this a few weeks ago, <laughs> but yeah, I, something like this, yeah. This is why I don't play PLO. <laughs> it's too many cards. I can't figure it out, man. <laughs> I don't even remember if it was PLO or not, but I mean, that's the slowest slow roll I've ever heard. <laughs> So that was my session at uh, Legends, the first one. Uh, it ended up up, you know, like around three fifty. So that was a, a nice night. Uh, but that was one of the m most swingiest, about two and a half minutes of my life. Being so happy that I flopped the nuts, being so distraught that the board paired, being even more distraught when I heard he had a boat, and then a minute later, right before I muck. 
I'm like, oh god, I have a straight flush, and I've actually won. I mean, save the session at least. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, everybody's kind of screwed up on their hands once or twice, but that one would have been a that would have been a horrible one because you know you're gonna think about it later that night and thinking about that hand and be like, wait, did I have that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at that point, you just have to, in your mind, just say you didn't have it. Yeah, I, I definitely think for the sake of a uh, sanity, sanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, that was my first uh, night there. We go, I, me and you go back. Uh, I don't know. It must have been the next week. Um, I don't think it was the next week. It might have been. Was it? Oh, was it? Was it all? Was the, were both these sessions the same way? Well, either way, either way, know, it's our yeah. next session. Uh, so I'm there, kind of making do. I'm I'm kind of floating around, and this is kind of an interesting hand. It's a double board bomb pot. I have five six offsuit. The flop comes five five six on one board, ace king ten on the other. Giving me pretty much the effect of nuts. This is the holdem. This is the holdem bomb pot. This is actually a holdem bomb pot. Thank God. I bet twenty five. I want to start getting. I want to get. Then the reason I'm betting twenty five here is I want to get money into this pot because I'm gonna. I'm not scared of almost anything on my board, and I'm looking to build up this pot so I can really hammer the turn in river and put pressure on the other board to fold. Uh, there's one call, but then a guy re-raises to 120. I want to go ahead and put the most pressure on some of these hands, and I go all in for about 350. Okay. He calls, and I'm like, well, it's almost all. It's just gonna be a chop here because I have. I mean, I have literally five six on the on the bottom board. Uh, he had he has ace king. Runs out clean on my board. I mean, I don't think he had almost any outs on my board. But that board that was ace-king-10 runs out queen-jack. God. Giving us both a straight on the bottom board to then for me to get three-quarters of the pot. So talk about a really lucky flop and then really lucky run out here. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, you've been killing the bomb pots, it sounds like. No kidding. The bomb pots have been uh, been well. I think because it's a lot of hold'em players, I definitely think there's a big uh, advantage to be had in bomb pots because most of them are not used to split pot games. I don't think most hold'em players know how to figure out the odds or the percentages or the outs on these games. So I mean, it's, I think there's a huge advantage on bomb pot games. I love bomb pots. Uh, this is a non-important hand, but it does kind of bring to light like how a, how a session can go. So there's a straddle for six. I have queen-jack off. I've been kind of card dead, and I'm planning on probably raising this, although I'm in probably a little too early position to do it. The player to my right, who seems to be a fairly decent-thinking player, uh, makes it 30. I think about calling, but queen-jack-off is just so easily dominated by king-queen, ace-queen, ace-jack. I, I was like, ugh, I don't think there's a lot of 
a lot of good things that can come from calling here. So I fold. The flop comes king, queen, queen, giving me just trips with a pretty good kicker, and I'm like, oh, God. Uh, there's quite a bit of betting ensues, though, and at the end, he shows ace-queen. Uh, not that I was involved in this hand, but it goes to show, like, sometimes folding pre-flop, these hands of not losing a gigantic pot that you probably should have, uh, that you would have otherwise lost, kind of goes to make a session. Absolutely, and yeah, I mean, I had a hand kind of very, well, very similar to that, where because when you were playing there, I was playing five five in the same at the same uh, in the same room, and I had, I think it was um, eight nine, um, it might have been suited, but it was like I was in the straddle, but it got three bet, and it was kind of a small three bet, and I was like, well, this is kind of too loose to be defending your straddle with eight nine offsuit, right? So I was like, whatever, I'll just fold, right? Right. Flop open ended. Betting, you know, is kind of slow. I turn the second nut straight. Okay. Betting goes crazy. All in, both players. For a ton of money. God, I bet you were just dying here. Yeah, I was like, oh man, this would be my moment to, you know, win a big one, hopefully. The guy turns over ace-queen, I believe it was, for the nut straight. I was in there looking and I was like... Um, maybe it was an ace queen. I forgot, but it was the nut straight to my uh, eight nine. Oh God! And I was like, oh man, I would have lost a gigantic one. And then the other guy had pocket sevens, I believe. And then he boated on both runouts to have sevens full of kings. Oh God Almighty! Yeah, you would have uh, talk about a just. A great decision to fold that pre-flop. Well, because people talk about uh, positive EV, negative EV all the time. People talk about pot odds and plied odds. But you don't hear near as much about reverse implied odds, which becomes a huge thing, in the in, especially in a long session. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's like those crummy unsuited aces. I'm just horrid on uh, reverse implied odds. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I think that's one of the more profitable things that people play in, especially low-stakes games, where you can't really win a big pot with a low-suited ace unless you flop at least two pair. But, I mean, you can kind of get hung up on that ace and lose a pretty decent-sized pot. I mean, if you flop trip aces, I mean, you're going to have to see... I mean, you're going to probably make it to showdown. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Okay, so... This session's going fairly decent. I'm I'm running I'm running pretty pretty well. Uh, I get in one of the more interesting hands I've been in in a long time. I have queen queen from under the gun. I make it fifteen. There's one call and then a three bet to eighty from a fairly aggressive I would say thinking player. And then there's a cold call. From I think the small blind. Uh, I call it. I call as well. This is probably a mistake. Yeah, I mean when I when I'm in this situation, I'm often playing for stacks pre-flop here. Uh, I mean, could just squeeze in that guy and the dead money and stuff. But you already know that. I mean, you, as played, it was a call though, right? It was called as played. I mean, here here was my problem with is if this guy is a fairly 
decent thinking player. I'm not super tight, but I am one of the tighter players in a very limp, happy, uh, regular Texas game. I'm under the gun. And when he three bets me from an under the gun raise, I was just like, I mean, seems very, but there was a call in between, which incentivizing squeezing there. So, yeah, I really wish I would have four bet this. But, yeah, as played, I go ahead and call. And so there's three players to a, about a $240 pot to the flop of 10.97. Uh, the first player checks. I check to the three better. He bets 155. I call. I mean, on a 10.97 board, I mean, I definitely think I have to call with queens here. Did the other guy fold? The other guy did fold. Okay. Uh, the turn is a six. Did you ever think about raising the flop? No, not really. I mean, I feel like raising the flop is really overplaying my hand here. I, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's... One, it, well, I mean, this is a weird flop to play. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, if, okay, if it's... If you think he's his range is like, and I think he has range for three bettings way big, bigger than most average people, but again, with me raising from under the gun, I don't know how big it is, but with no ace or king, I'm still losing the aces or kings here, uh, but now tens and nines are also kind of in his three betting range, uh, I think. So now I'm losing to not only aces and kings, but also tens and nines. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'll go ahead and make the call. I don't really... I think raising, I'm only getting called by war. I get by better at that point. Uh, I mean... Yeah, I'm probably pretty loose for ace 10 to be calling, right? I'm probably pretty loose for... I mean, jacks would be like the only hand you're targeting, which isn't great. Right. If you have one hand you're targeting and everything else is calling, he's beating you. So Yeah. I call and another kind of kind of a crappy card comes. It's a six. I mean it's not really in a three better range here, but now it's a six, seven, nine, ten board. So now his three bet bluffs are I mean like six seven, ten nine. 8-7, are now all have me beat as well. I check. He bets 380. I tank fold. I just don't know. I can't think of anything I'm beating here. Uh, I feel like even Jacks make a ch probably check here. And the other, they actually, the player who folded and the other, and the other player in the pot says he has Jacks. And I mean, the only other thing I can think of that might be continuing here would be Queen Jack, which I also double block. Yeah, no, that's true. He never uh, told you what he had. I wanted, I wanted to ask so bad. I also didn't want to be that guy though. And look, I mean, and at the end of the day, I'm not sure it really matters because, I mean, someone's one hand. I mean, you kind of have to play their range. True, but I don't know. In that situation, you're gonna have to show me the nine or whatever. But, well, nine aces, kings. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a ton of things he could show you that has you beat, though. I mean, look, I mean, because I definitely thought about calling here. I would have had, I think, a hundred more behind. So I mean, I can't call. I just have to jam here. Yeah. Uh, 
But, I mean, I don't know what what I would ever have beat at this point. I mean, unless Ace King is just barreling off. I mean, it's possible you're going to hear about it later in the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, oh. so, I mean, and this would be a weird flop for, I think, even Ace King to barrel here. I mean, a lot of people are just not going to fold over pair. So, and I mean, like, everything is out there. So, I don't know. I, I guess I like the fold. I don't like the way I played it pre-flop. I will say that. Definitely makes the hand a lot simpler. If you play it more traditional sense, raising, you know, pre-flop and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I guess here's the other thing. Like, I say I don't have a lot of four bets because I don't have a lot of four bet bluffs. But And I'm like, well, four bets, I'm getting called off by aces and kings. But, you know, how often about other things? But on flops like this, if you don't four bet, I mean, if I four bet, I'm getting basically nines and tens out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it, there's, I mean, now the the hand is very much nar- that have me beat are very much narrowed. So and then ace, if I four bet, then I mean this is just automatic jam on the flop. Yeah, I would like to see that because I mean, but... if tens and nines are not available, and aces and kings would have just you know got it all in pre flop. Well, then I'm actually probably ahead. Yeah, I can agree with all that. So that was a fairly interesting. What a shame we didn't get to hear his hand because you could have had just a phenomenal fold. I mean, and saved just a ton of money. I mean, guess we'll never know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it could be a good fold. It could be. I mean, it was definitely a tough one. It was definitely like a fifty-fifty. I mean, for the sake of the podcast, I've offered people money to tell me their hand or show me their hand. I mean. Five bucks, but still. No, I paid one person 25 bucks. Oh my god, 25 bucks? I mean, it was a $2,800 call, so. <laughs> okay, I was... <laughs> yeah, I would pay 25 bucks to know that, and I have to think about it. I will say that. <laughs> Tell you what, I wish I would have saved 25 bucks. <laughs> uh, this is a pretty interesting hand, too. Uh, so, that really... That did a number on me psychologically because I didn't know if it was a good fold or not, and I had just lost about half my stack. Here's the one thing about that hand to derail your next topic. Okay. Uh, in the 1-3 games, I have noticed that not many players are bluffing in that spot. Very select few in the 1-3 game are bluffing on that board that you just described. Yeah. So I think I would say... In the 1-3 game, from my experience, I think it's a good fold how it was played. I don't like how it was played, but once it was played that way, I think it was a good fold. From, yeah, from yeah from how it's played from the pre-flop on, I mean, it's a yeah. it's good fold. Like, like it definitely, I think the 4-bet pre-flop is definitely the way to go. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I like that. Yeah, I... I just don't know if there's many people who are putting together. I mean, I've had people fold trips to me on that same board where I just barrel just to see. Because, I mean, I'll bluff on a board like that whenever they're only calling with whatever, the nine or the seven. Um, I mean, works pretty great. <laughs> you should try it. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say almost no people do it at 1-3. Okay, well. That so it kinda... probably was a good fold. Or you probably just had two pair. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, I think he is capable of 
three betting something like like ten nine or something. I was thinking ten nine more than nines and tens because nines and tens want to set mine. Nine ten suited would be for me would be more of a three betting hand. Yeah, I went deep see that. enough. It didn't sound like you were deep enough to do it, but from his point of view, I think you know. Uh, it's definitely a possibility. Because if you have nines, tens, eights, sevens, you really want to see a flop and hit a set, right? I mean, you're yeah. not looking to three bet and full, or at least I'm not. I've just had no no luck just playing giant pots with middling pocket pairs. And I might be giving them just too much credit on, because, I mean, here's the other thing is, like, when I raise from under the gun, I just, when I'm getting three bet from under the gun, if it's a player who's kind of taking in position into account, I don't know. It seemed like that's got to be a, even with a player in between, seems like a very, if you are a thinking player, your range for that three bet is not going to be just, you know, super, I don't know, it, it's, it seems like you're going to have still have a kind of a small range, even from a player who actually does three bet quite a bet. Right, but I do like you four betting and letting, going all in pre and letting your skill take over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that one like psychologically damaged me. Uh, and the and I think it leads to this one too. Uh, eight eight six suited, uh, lumped around. I call to give myself better odds. Every now and then, I will just overlamp on something like this. Uh, two clubs. I it flops eight six three. Uh, with two clubs, someone bets ten on a. Hitting two pair on a very draw-heavy board, I raised to 40 because I think, you know, I Wait. want someone to pay for this. One more time. What do you have and what's the flop? 8-6 uh, suited. Oh, the... they said A-6. I was like, that is not two pair. 8-6. Oh, okay. 8-6, yeah. Okay. So I flopped two pair. I raised to 40. He calls. A five non-club comes. He checks. I bet 40. He makes it 100. Giving me pretty good odds here. Okay. Uh, I mean, in on a non-club, I go ahead and call. A Brick River, he makes it 225. At this point, there's not... I mean, this is just a very under-bluff spot. I think this is a fold. So, uh, run the board out for me one more time. The full board, when you fold it. So you have eight nine. You flop two pair. What's the turn? Uh, the turn was a five. Okay. So it did bring in the open ended straight for seven nine. Uh, and two. What would have been uh four, two four also would make a gutter. Seems unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I mean, who knows? Uh, I the Brick River he makes it two and twenty five. But I end up with a brick with the clubs bricking out. Even though this is really never a bluff here on clubs, I mean this is just a horde justification. Uh, I call. I feel like two pairs is too strong. Oh, good. I thought you were gonna say you folded. I was okay. Well, I should have folded. He, I mean, he had seven nine of clubs. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. I I don't think you can fold there. You don't think I can fold? I mean. What in God's name do you think he... I mean, when he re-raises the turn, I mean... Like, I, you could say he has clubs. I mean, no, very few people are missing clubs on the turn and then re-raising that amount. 
I mean, I yeah. can call the turn hoping to maybe boat and then just get it all in with some implied odds. But on the river of 225, I'm not sure what I'm hoping to beat here. Yeah, no, that yeah, that's true on the river. But oh, I thought you were gonna say you folded the turn. No, I called the turn. Okay. And then fold, uh, no, I I called all the way down. I, I gave this guy all <laughs> all of my money went to this guy, Tyler. All okay. all of it. Okay, uh, I was kind of confused. I thought you were saying you folded the turn. I was thinking folding that turn was. Well, I don't know. You make a lot of good points, but. I mean, once you know the run out, you can easily make good points. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was a... Uh, I was kind of more worried about a set more than I was worried about 9-7. Well, I mean, 9-7 was what got there. Is the no, thing. no, yeah. I, no, I know. It just seemed like such a weird hand for him to have in that... I, I guess mean, you did limp it. So, I mean, I, forget that you, I forgot that you limped it, though. So anything is possible in a limp pot like that. I mean... You don't think these players are capable of having nine seven suited and raised pot? Do you? I mean, have you been? Have you played poker in Texas? I mean, very. But I mean, yeah, you're right. It's limp. Well, I mean, if it being limp might even make it an easier call though, because somebody could have a smaller two pair here too. True. I mean, that'd be a hell of a way to play it, but <laughs> it's a. Uh, so it was a very. Let me see. There was one other very good hand that was a. Uh, is it? Let's see. We got eight six. Ten. Oh, here we go. So I've kind of battled back a little bit. I think I'm up a little bit at this point, and I move move to a table where it's kind of a splashy table. It's a good table. I get pocket aces. There's a couple limpers. I make it thirty five. There are. Four callers, and we go five ways to the flop. Okay, wait, wait. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Pocket aces, a uh, couple limpers. I make it 35 to go pre-flop, and it goes four callers. Everybody calls. God. Yeah, you want to talk about a scary fucking... Bo- <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're like, I'm like, well, this is where I get stabbed. <laughs> uh, the flop comes queen five deuce with two hearts. On top of that, a player donks into me for 35, and then there's a call. I mean, I'm just hammering this so hard. Uh, I I probably didn't hammer it as much as I should have. I made it 100. Mm, hate the 100. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I mean, what if I say I hammer it real hard? I, mean, I was thinking more like 200, 250. Take this thing down. I mean... I'm trying to I'm trying to clear some of this out. I'm making it at least two hundred. Well, I I mean, outside of the hearts, it's a very dry board. I mean, oh, so nobody. Because here's the thing: is I kind of like the hundred because I mean they are. I mean, like if a heart comes, it's a disaster. But I mean that just is what it is. But I mean nobody can ever have two pair here. I mean if it's a set, they already have me beat. And if if it's a queen, they're drawing very slim. Yeah, but that pot is so big. Thirty-five pre-flop. I mean, well, I wasn't. I wasn't really happy when both call. Yeah, uh, see, so two hundred <laughs> two fifty is where it's at. I mean, because I mean, they put thirty-five and they just put thirty-five. I mean, I don't know. I think it's too small. Yeah, I, I, yeah going back, I would like a bigger raise too. I think. I mean, I don't know about two hundred, but like at least one twenty-five or something. One thirty, I like. Yeah. All right. Uh. 
a four non a a four comes, so it's queen five deuce uh two hearts. A four that's a non heart comes. They both check. I jam for like five hundred and seventy. Okay, I was about to say <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Uh, they both kind of tank fold. I think I said they both call. I was about to say, oh my god. <laughs> oh, if they, I mean, if they call this bad, I know I'm probably dead here. Uh, but at this point, I want any uh any queens to really have to pay for it, and I want any hearts to to have to pay for it too. Because uh, at this point, I mean, this pot is. I mean, I'm only jamming for about pot, really. True. So it's a. I actually, I actually kind of like this because I, I if they call and they got out, I'm more than happy to have this call because uh, I mean I'm they're having to pay a lot for it, and if they fold, I'm this is not the end of the world either. I mean, I like giving them no implied odds to make this call. Yeah, I mean, still a great pot to take down. Yeah. Uh. So I end up uh end up winning that session. Uh. Made about four hundred dollars on that session. So that was a very nice one. Uh. Again, like the the good run at Legends kind of continues. Mhm. Mhm. Cool. You want to hear the the worst run? You have like the best run, and then I have like the getting run over by like a truck and then backed over, <laughs> re run over, backed over. I mean, it's almost comical. I mean, I know, like, you've heard, like, the last month and a half of me being like, and the five came, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but guess what, Clint? Sometimes the five doesn't come. <laughs> you just keep busting out, right? Yeah. But, um... Tyler's like, I had four outs, and it didn't come. It's a disaster! <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've been just getting absolutely crushed after that boat-over-boat session, right? So then I go to play 5-5, five, five, and, um... I guess I raise preflop with ace jack. Flop comes jack high. I'm the preflop raiser. I bet it all the way down. He had slow play pocket aces. Sweet. Oh, God. Yeah, that's yeah, great. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> tough. Yeah. Next hand, here's basically how it's been. I have pocket tens. I raise preflop. The flop comes jack, jack, deuce. Guy dongs, I call. Turn a ten. Tens full of jacks, right? Oh, what a beautiful turn. Exactly. I check or I raise him. On the turn. Gigantic, right? Okay. I love this. Because, I mean, if he has a jack, he's going to call. River's a deuce. Oh, God almighty. So, okay, so flop, jack, jack, deuce, turn 10, river, deuce. Yes. Giving him Any... big a, a bigger boat. Yes. I actually won that hand. Did you win that hand? Well, we checked it down. Yeah. What, did you, what in God's name did he call the turn with, then? I don't know. I bet he had an overpair. Oh, Wow. I'm guessing. I don't really know. He seemed disgruntled, but I mean, I mean, if anything, he should be super happy because that deuce definitely saved him money. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I played a few more hands where, uh, what happened on one of them? I river trips for him to river a straight. I river a straight for him to river a flush. I mean, these were two hands, like, back-to-back. Oh, God. So I'm just getting, I mean, I'm in the game for a ton of money, and I don't have much in front of me. That's not profitable. That's I not mean, what you want to do I don't even have table. a big. I don't even have a big stack for a small game. No God. I mean, I'm short-stacked for the 1-3 game at this point. I'm like, this is, I mean, this is horrible, right? <laughs> Sounds very horrible. So I add on for some more, because why not at this point? 
Um, <laughs> spoken, spoken like a great poker player. <laughs> if you're losing, make sure you get more on the table so you can get it all in. Um, this was the kind of the noteworthy hand of the session, though, which made it from instead of being a gigantic loss to a reasonable loss is I had ace queen. Um, we're pretty deep stacked here because I had been adding on. Um, guy opens to maybe like. He opened pretty big. He opened to like, because I forgot. He opened to like forty, I think. At the five five. Yeah. Okay. And I three bet him to two hundred, with ace queen. God, good God, man! Uh, like, uh, was there any limpers or like? Um, were there was, any? Were there any callers after his? I think there was limpers ahead of him and maybe one caller. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Okay, I can see this, yeah. Um, but, I mean, here's my thing. I mean, he's going to call anyway if there's no one. I mean, so I was like, just put the pressure on this guy. He calls. The flop comes queen high with two diamonds. Does the guy in between call? No, it's okay. heads up. I bet 200 again. He snap calls. The turn is another brick, but it brings spade. So it's diamond, diamond, spade, spade, queen high board. What was the flop again? I know it's queen high. I mean, it was like nine deuce, maybe. So super dry board yeah. with a queen. That's why I bet two hundred again. Okay. He calls. Um, the turn. So now it's diamond, diamond, spade, spade, queen high. Okay. Um. So now we had about eight hundred in there. I rip it all in for about eight hundred more. Okay. Eight hundred more. He calls. Snap calls. I turn over ace queen. He sees the the brick run out on the river. No, no diamond or spade. He just says you're good. And that's it. Hmm, I wonder what he. I wonder what he had. That's very curious. I mean, I was thinking. I'm not sure. I'm thinking the flush draw. I'm thinking maybe king queen. Maybe. I mean, I guess I think he did. He looked like a king queen. Like when I showed him ace queen, I think he was already kind of done. Yeah, because I mean, when you jam that turn, I mean. Yeah. With no implied odds and a huge bet into that pot, I mean, well, it's you really about have... pot, well, about pot, but yeah, but I mean, you're hitting that flush draw eighteen <laughs> yeah. percent of the time, and I mean, you, with no implied odds whatsoever, I mean, you're you got to be a horrible player to call the, with a flush draw there. Yeah, I do think it was king queen because I mean, he looked like it was already dead whenever I turned over my cards. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so that was basically the only saving grace of a hand, really, I guess. Um, and then I played a few hands, like, so I was just, I mean, so I kept getting cooler by the same guy like that. I river trips to his river, uh, flush and all that. Right. Okay. And then every time he'd win, he'd just be over there just talking trash under his mask. I'm like, I'm something like, dude, I can't even hear you down there. Like, I mean, I told him, I know you're not saying anything flattering, but I mean, I can't hear you. I mean, that's why I'm not responding. Yeah. I don't think, I also don't really think there's a point to respond. I mean, I don't know. I mean, talking trash after a win in poker, I mean, it's just, I don't know. You gotta be a real dickhead. I mean, you're already, you're already getting money from what, from the win. I mean, there's no reason to kind of rub stuff in. And then on top of that, like you said, they were doing the PLO bomb pot. And those take forever. I mean, just, I don't know. They were just, I mean, especially at the five, five, 
where like people are playing for gigantic amounts of money. Yeah. I mean, they were just, I mean, it was, I was so ready to go. So I ended up packing it in and booking a, I mean, less than a buying of a loss, still a lot of money though. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) mean, it's good to kind of make that recovery, but I mean, it's still, it's still, it's still tough anytime you're not one, like walking away positive from the, from the room. But I mean, it's kind of part of the poker, poker deal. Yeah. So at this point, I mean, I was just getting just crushed after last week and then, you know, I had a few, I had a few hands last week where I felt like I didn't play them horribly. I always feel like you know you can definitely play some hands better, but I didn't feel like right. there's anything crazy out of line. Part of part of it's going to be coolers. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna be the way it runs sometimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I'm pretty sure I got boat over boated in that session too. Well, I've been getting boat over boated a lot lately. <laughs> that does not seem profitable. <laughs> um, so then I ended up we ended up meeting at Prime the next day, right? We ended up. Or maybe not the next day, but our next session. Yeah, I'm coming back, and uh, I think I was in Caldwell, and uh, we were we were we were talking about legends. But I was like, I, unlike you, who seems to doesn't not mind going to like the same room like kind of over and over again. I kind of like the change of scenery and the mix it up. Shouldn't have, uh, but you know, so I was like, well, let's go to let's go to Prime and see what's what's going on over there. They have a they're kind of coming off their Christmas series. They got a couple tables running. So I was like, let's let's go do it. Let's go uh give prime and let's go do a session over there. Uh it was shorthanded, which I don't usually mind. I kinda like shorthanded. Only problem is when it's shorthanded, we're two of the people on the poker table. So two of the people are just us that we can win money from. That we're just paying. I mean, we can just go play heads up and not play a rake, and or a time fee. And everybody else on the table was fairly short stacked at that moment. Yes, and they weren't charging the time fee originally, but then when you got there, they started charging the time fee. That's always great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they waited for me to charge the time fee. because uh, there was that guy to two seats to your left. And he ended up with a big stack after buying back in, but at this point, he didn't have that much. I mean, it was just everybody's sitting with, like, I mean, we're sitting there paying, you know, $12 an hour. Me and, I mean, I don't know what you bought in for. What you bought in for probably covers the table Yeah. at this point. Uh, I bought in for 400 and I'm easily probably got double the next stack. Because, I mean, it was a bunch of just $100 stacks out there. So I'm like, man, this is not great for a $12 seat fee but and i mean i always like playing at prime and i don't mind shorthanded but it was just it was a very weird time to come i mean like it was just when me and you are uh, like making a barely making a one open table was not the best and then our my run of cards you want to talk about me being annoyed like shorthanded the variance is so much just so much bigger because you're playing, you're just getting hands so much, you're going through hands so much faster. And I remain card dead for literally three hours straight. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a few interesting hands. You were there for that ace three hand where uh, I tried to limp for you because you were ordering something or another, but they wouldn't let me do that for some reason. Well, whatever um, I had probably wasn't worth it. So great. <laughs> you did fold. Um, so then I raised and we saw the flop like three ways. I had ace three of spades. Flop comes ace three, like four or five. Um, 
Nice. Did you remember that guy to your right bet out? Okay. He uh, did. He did bet out because I was baiting the raise and I turned and decided not to because I was in position on him. Okay. So I that required me checking. No, I bet. I was in the big bl- No, you were in the big blind. I was to your left. So I bet he raised me on the flop. That's what it was. And I was like, Ooh, this is weird. I mean, a short stack raising and like a new player. I was like, this is not great. It's kind of what I, mean, I was thinking. I mean, at this point, like, with the, I mean, I don't remember what his stack size is, but at this point, aren't you just getting it all in? I decided to just call here. Uh huh. And then I could evaluate the turn. Okay. He did raise it, but I was in position because he checked and I went all in. Wait, on the turn? Yes, on the turn. He checks and you just jam all in on the yeah, turn. Yeah, for the rest of his stack. Which well, is like... well, well, I mean, you know what? I'm not even going to ask what the turn card is because it literally ceases to matter. I mean, I'm jamming every, every exactly. card in the deck here. That was kind of my thought. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, I mean... It, yeah, it, I mean, because I mean, there's a, when you're playing against someone that's short stacked. I mean, you just have to be. I mean, there's just certain hands that ceases to matter. You have to be willing to get it all in with a certain strength. I mean, I think he started the hand with like 200 bucks, and whenever he raised me on the flop, I mean, that puts him with like 150 maybe or 100 and like 25. So it was a pretty easy all in. He called. Yeah, and he had ace king, and it was good. That's kind of my thinking. Yeah, it's that, that seemed like what uh, raise on the flop probably has there. Um, that was interesting. And then that one hand where I had aced king, and that guy we basically went all in on the turn, and he had queen seven for turn two pair. Oh, and you rivered the ace. Yes, I thought that, I thought that dude was gonna lose. I I was like moving over. I thought that, that dude looked. The most distraught I've ever seen anybody look at a poker table for what was not that big of a pot. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) I mean, it was all in for like 150 maybe or 175 maybe? No, he was quite a bit deeper. It was... Oh, uh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that... I mean, I mean that, I've never seen like that was a reaction where I was like, "This is gonna get very awkward." Um, well, <coughs> when I say it was bigger, I mean not by much. I mean, I think it might have been a six hundred dollar pot. Yeah, that was that was getting real. I don't know. Like, I mean, there were. I mean, you were talking about me being baffled by somebody, like that guy. One is, like, I thought, the way he acted, I thought, I was like, I think this dude just lost his entire, like, every dollar he has to his name. He pulled out, immediately rebought like, two minutes later. Uh, but I was so annoyed, because literally, for three hours, every time there was a bet, it's 30 to go. He makes it, he goes to 35 or 40. He's like, no, it's a raise. They're like, no, that's a call, because it's not a legal raise. And then, I mean, just, lit- I mean, I don't know. It happened like 15 times. I'm like, uh, I mean, granted, I was card dead. And I mean, I was probably getting frustrated very easily. But I was like, I mean, every single time we have to go through this. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, I was doing pretty good after those two hands. You know, I was kind of rolling there. Yeah, that's, that's a, I mean, you were definitely kind of rolling at a certain point. So I was like, we're back. 
You know, it's like, it's like, all right, time to kick this downswing, you know? Right. So you ended up leaving disgusted. <laughs> I was so disgusted. <laughs> I mean, you got it all in and then everyone's like, call, raise, call, re-raise. I was like, oh man, you're just all sorts I mean, of problems. <laughs> three hours, I got no hands. I am by far the tightest player at the table. It was funny, too. Nobody three-bet the entire goddamn night. I got three-bet four times. And, I mean, like, not once. Like I had, like, eight, ten suited, queen jack off. I mean, not one was there a time I could even, you know, have anything to defend with. I'm like, how? I mean, am I just, like, I mean, am I waving my cards around? I mean, am I, is my poker face that bad? I, I was, I was so frustrated and disgusted after that sesh. I mean, and whenever you went all in for like, I don't remember, was it like 40 bucks or something? And I was like, what do you have? And you showed me ace, deuce, offsuit. I was like, hmm, those are cards. And I went back to doing what I was doing. I, was like, <laughs> I mean, in my defense, I got called two ways and was ahead. I mean, one guy called without looking, and the other had I had King Ted. Still did not hold, but I mean, oh, yeah, I forgot the guy didn't even look. Yeah, yeah. whenever he's like, "I'll call without looking," I was like, "Just kick him the three dollars; he'll be much happier that way." <laughs> so it was a yeah, it was it was a very frustrating session for me. All right, so then so Clint Lee's kicking and screaming. And <laughs> That's I, about right. And then so we ended up playing shorthand. Then we ended up joining the next table, right? So now we're playing. Um, full table, very deep stacked, right? That's awesome that that happens as soon as I leave. Well, we needed you to leave because we were too many players at our table. Great. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so this was basically this was an interesting this was an interesting hand. Um, I have Ace King, and like I said last week, if you want to play a gigantic pot, give me Ace King preflop. We'll play a gigantic pot. Uh, I agree with this. So someone opens to 30, someone calls 30, the next guy three bets to 90. Okay. So I'm ready to put in the four how, bet. How much do you have behind? Because this is always kind of a weird spot here. I think like 1,500. Oh, not that weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, you're coming. Okay, so someone makes it 30, call mm. to 30. No, I had lost a hand before. I maybe had... I think I lost like two hands before that, actually. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the first hand. I got flush over flush. I was very annoyed. That's Second annoying. nuts to the nuts. Oh, God. That wasn't great for me. Um, so, yeah, I think I started with maybe like a thousand. So, 90, 180, 270. God, this is going to be so. I mean, see, this is kind of a weird spot. Like, like if you have a thousand here. I mean, you're making this like 400, right? Um, I made it uh, 275. That seems like a light three bet from you. Wait, listen, let me I double mean, check. if it's not, I mean, that's not even three. That's barely three times the the three better. And and I mean, you have the limp, the uh, the original razor and the collar as well. You would ne you would never three bet that low. I don't think. According to my notes, I did. It might have been three seventy five, but I wrote down two seventy five. Okay, I mean that's. I don't know. I mean, I I feel like. 
Well, I mean, we've talked about this before about making it a little bit lower so you're getting so you're more balanced. Because I mean, you don't want a three bet high when it's ace ace king and low when it's aces and kings. But I know if it's a lot of four times three bets, I've had a lot of trouble sometimes getting action from uh, when I do have those hands. Uh, but okay, so two seventy five. Okay, wait, wait. Th- you're right. That's making more sense now. It was open to fifteen. Call fifteen. Three bet to it was way less. It was like uh, maybe like seventy. That makes way more. Yeah, sense. that that's that's the issue. And I just opened the notes. That that's what's throwing the math off. Okay, yeah that that makes a lot more sense. I was gonna say that three bet is just yeah, such a thinking, light three bet. I was thinking that too. I was like, I hate to see that. It's really a four bet, but. <laughs> Oh yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hate to see a light four bet. So, um, yeah, that makes more sense. So I think he made it seventy, and then I made it two seventy five, and then he thought and thought about maybe jamming, calling, whatever. Right? Okay. He ends up calling. Okay. I'm out of position. The flop comes all low on connected cards, like five, deuce, seven, maybe. God almighty, this is such a dicey spot. Uh, so Okay, so let me guess on here. I'm guessing you down bet here. I check. Okay, I don't mind this check. He checks it back. Okay. The turn is another low card, like a deuce. God almighty, this is... Maybe is this a check call scenario at this point? I mean, because here's the thing: when it's all low cards, if he has a, if he has a pair, I feel like he bets here. Like uh, if he's got an over pair. But I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming you. I'm guessing you check here. I rip it all in for over pot. Oh God damn. <laughs> I was like, this will put him in quite the predicament. Um, so I rip it all in for over pot. I think it was maybe 800 more, 900 more, something like that. Um, and he tanks and tanks and tanks and folds. And then I get to throw my ace king face up. Cha cha cha. <laughs> and everyone was like, wait, what? They're like, he folded ace king? And they're like, no, he had ace king. And I was like, oh. Oh, wow. The Did guy- that guy ever said what he had? No, he left. <laughs> I'm guessing maybe he had Ace King beat. <laughs> he might have had Ace King. Uh, might, that would make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know. That, that's a weird. But I mean, I don't know. If you have an overpair, and once you check and show weakness there, I can never imagine not making some type of bet. Like I mean, even even if it's a down bet. So I I don't know. The whole thing is very confusing to me on what he might have had here. I was thinking. I would play maybe aces and kings that way sometimes. Either check raising the flop. I mean, me personally, I'm always down betting the flop with aces or kings there. Right. But I do think it puts him in a tough spot. Because I did four bet. Yeah, you I did. I mean, it was a big four bet. four bet, too. Yeah, so... I don't I don't know. That's a, I mean, you could definitely... You could definitely play deceptively and play aces or kings this way. I mean, as... If it's all kind of low, unconnected cards, then, I mean, you're not scared of that much. I mean, you could check, 
hope that tens, jacks, or whatever bets and just come over the top. Yeah, so he folded. Um, and then, I mean, just things just went so far off the rails. I mean, just comically bad. I mean, I forgot. I mean, let's see. What was the first one? I I was in a straddle. I had four deuce. And we're playing shorthanded, like four or five handed. And some drunk dude who I guess had won all his money in some crazy fashion. He was not looking at his card, showing bluffs. I mean, calling, raising to 35 pre without looking at his card. Stuff like that. Okay. I have four deuce of clubs in the straddle. I see the flop. Four deuce nine. Oh, pretty. Guy bets gigantic. Okay. I call. Okay. Turns a nine. Okay. Guy bets not as big again. I call. River's a four. Guy bets uh, probably like half pot, maybe just over half pot. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to see the nine. I call. We had a nine five offsuit. I mean,. That's fine. I mean, it, I don't know. That's to me. That's just a definition of a cooler. Because I mean, deuce four, two pair. I mean, you hate seeing the nine on that flop. I mean, on the turn. But I mean, because it does, it puts like pocket fives, pocket sixes, seven. I mean, I'm not that scared of a nine there usually. Uh, I don't know. And I mean, once the the you boat on the river. I don't know if it's a crazy drunk dude. I just, I mean, if it's boat over boat, then that, I mean, that's the joy of, you know, playing like an, a maniac is you're definitely, you have to definitely pay this off. If you don't pay this off, you're super exploitable. Yep, so I did. And then um, I had another hand where, uh, what did I end up, I flopped two pair and it ran out for him to have a flush, um, like runner, runner, flush, paid that off. That was great. And this was basically the last hand of the night for me was I had three four. The flop came four four seven. Um and he bets gigantic. I mean I'm like well okay. I mean there's no flush draw, there's nothing out there really. Right. Um he bets I call it heads up now. The turn is a complete blank brings no draws. It was like a high card, maybe like uh, maybe like a queen. Okay. And then he bets gigantic again. And then the river is a six offsuit six. And then um, I'm like, ooh, I don't want to miss value here, so I. He so he checks it to you. I think I donked into him. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. No, I, I did not. I check-raised him. Okay. I check-raised. I check-raised pretty big. And he tanks and tanks and tanks. And ends up calling. But he was tanking the raise. He drilled a gut shot for 5-8 five, for five, offsuit to drill the 6 on the river. God almighty, man. Yeah. And then, you know, the poker coaching begins... You know, so I get to hear about that. And then I was like, I just, I mean, you know, I mean, if I know your exact hands and the exact run out, yes, I too know how to play it exactly. But, you know, I'm putting you on ace. I mean, I'm putting you on over pairs, stuff like that. I'm putting you on just 
I mean, he showed a bunch of random bluffs, like no equity bluffs. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if someone hits a four outer, I mean, I mean, can yeah, you can raise the turn. I mean, were there any draw? Were there any flush draws or anything out there? There was nothing out there. I mean, I don't know. It's. I mean, I put him on an over like no open ended. No, yeah. I mean no. I mean, because I mean, you like you say, you don't. You also don't want to get. You know, have people get out. You know, end up out of it. Because I mean, for the most part, he's not gonna. He's not gonna have almost any outs here. So. Yeah. So I mean, you know, then I got to hear about what I should have done. So I was like, well, I'll just clock me out. I'll just leave. I mean, it's not. It's doing no one any good here, right? Good I mean, Lord. so I left, and then that was. Went from a profitable session, like you said, maybe I just pack it up with a profitable session to a unprofitable session after some run bad right at the end. I mean, it was basically like I, I flopped that rivered trips to his rivered flush and then flopped trips to his rivered straight, almost back to back to get just completely crippled. You know, I mean, that brings up an interesting topic on... The psychological aspect, because okay, me and you both want to get so many hours in a week, because you're you're averaging twenty five an hour or thirty an hour, thirty five an hour, and you want to get those hours in. But there's also a psychological aspect that sometimes, I don't know, like I know it's a bad way to look at it, and I guess it just more or less depends on the game or not. But sometimes I'm like. Man, when it's been a swingy session and I can just pack it up with kind of a small win when I've been on that roller coaster for a couple hours, is there something to be said for just doing that? Because, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it seems like I almost need that, especially if I've not been running good that lately or something like that. Oh, I mean, it would have been great <laughs> then. Yeah, for sure. but, but even the, I see what you're saying. That's super results oriented on that one session. I'm just wondering more in general, though. I think it's a good strategy, especially if it's not your full time job, right? I mean, maybe so. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think it's a. I kind of think of it's a piss poor way to look at it because I mean, if you're positive EV, then you should probably just be in the game no matter what and be playing as many hours as you can. But I don't know. There's certain times where I'm like, I don't know. I do get in that where it's it's not just to pack up a win sometimes. So this kind of leads us a few interesting things I was going to talk to you about. So one of them is, I mean, you know, after a session like that, I'm like, I mean, you know, you're kind of mentally distraught, right? I mean, because you built the bankroll, you can play poker as much as we play and as often as deep and as big, right? Right. But in your real life, I mean, it's a lot of actual money compared to your real job. Like for people like oh. me and you who would not be able to play these games, these stakes without a bankroll. I mean, it's almost like you're thinking then like you start, you get these thoughts in your head that aren't beneficial to anyone. Because if I told you I won 10 buy-ins, I'm going to quit my job. What would you say? Oh, I'd say you're stupid. So, I mean, it's the same thing if you lose 10 buy-ins. I mean, because you got to think, I've had a ton of times where I've won 10 buy-ins, you know, over a course of a period of time. Or at least I should have, right? <laughs> but I'm saying, but then when you lose 10, you're just like, oh, I'm just wasting my time. Like, I need to, you know, what am I doing? You know, it's so much money compared to your normal income. Yeah, it's definitely... Get it, yeah, getting the money down... Because you're right, like, let's say... And this is the biggest difference of, like, 
really, I think, being a poker player and having that extra bankroll versus just being like a gambler and just taking money out of your account to go have a good time that day is, you know, having that bankroll where you can play that. Because, I mean, it's... It is very difficult for me. Like a lot of people in my life are not like gamblers, and all that if I go and lose five hundred dollars, all they hear is that you lost five hundred dollars. How could you do that? You could do this or that or anything like that. But it's not taken into account the average and that you're actually building. I mean, you had that five hundred dollars to lose because you've built up a bankroll to actually have it. Yeah, exactly. So I was trying to think about that, but I mean, it's hard to, I mean, those thoughts keep creeping back in, you know, like I could go to Best Buy and buy a bunch of the most expensive TVs. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you start looking at different things, you're like, hmm, you know, I could have done this, but I mean, you know, that's not beneficial at all. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard not to have that psychological aspect, you know, here and there when you're going through a downswing. And I mean, well, I mean, let's say you build this bankroll. I mean, you've you've got your bankroll up fairly quickly over the time period. Let's say, I mean, you're in a big game of like, you know, 5, 10, 10, 20. I mean, you're going to have swings of thousands of dollars. And, I mean, shit, at some point you're like, God damn, I could have bought a car with that money. I mean, yeah, 100%. I don't think that that can not affect you a little bit. I think I've heard some of the high-stakes players being like, when you lose a house in a session... <laughs> you know, like a, like a hustler on the bike or something, right? Right. Oh, God, yeah, that would be, I mean, yeah. Well, because your mind, no, no matter how good, like, you know in the long run you're making money. I mean, you can look at your bankroll tracker, and I think this is one just gigantic reason to track, is if you don't track and you can't go back and look at that, you feel way too goddamn good when you're winning, and you feel way too bad when you're losing. I mean, 100%. I mean, you can still look at your bankroll tracker and you still <laughs> feel very sad when you think about how much money you lost. Oh, yeah. I mean, because like just the mind is not built to, you know, work like this with those swings and everything. But here was kind of the other thing is, I mean, some of those, I mean, it was like 10 regular binds, the 1-3 game. But I was also playing 5-5. Five, five. I mean, you know... One of those sessions was just three sessions or three buy-ins at a, at a 5-5-10 five, five, game. Right. And then, you know, another one of the sessions was a 5-5-10 five, five, game. So it's really only being down, like, six buy-ins. Yeah. Which is almost nothing, which is even the scarier part. I mean, just to be like, I'm on a downswing because I lost six buy-ins. Well, I guess, I mean, should it be buy-ins or maybe percentage of bankroll? I say buy-ins. Because buy-in sounds better. Well, okay, because here's because here's my thing is like like buy-ins are so subjective. Because I mean, okay, like if someone someone's buying in for one three for three hundred a hundred times the blind, and another person is their normal buy-in is let's say a grand. I mean, I, people buy them for even more. I mean, sure. well, yeah, but I'm I'm using round yeah, numbers just sure. to make it easy. Say, listen, uh, one thousand fifty-eight, Clint. I mean, you can't <laughs> no. say like the yeah. <laughs> Feel like you need at this time of night some math problems. Uh, the uh, so I mean, you can't say like well, the one three player, you know, has loses five buy-ins is the same thing as the one three player that lost five thousand and bought lost five thousand. 
So I don't know. Like buy-in seems like a weird way to like track it though. But keeping it in buy-ins is also what helped me on the upswing being like, I won, you know, how many thousands of dollars? I'm like, well, it's really only this many buy-ins, so you know, you need to calm down. That's true. I mean, I, I guess as long as it's consistent to your what you're doing, it really doesn't matter. Because, I mean, when you're winning giant amounts, too, it can be easy to lose track. You're like, I have this much money. I'm winning this much, you know. But if it's only a buy-in and a half or two buy-ins, I mean, I mean, it's great. That's true. But you're not quitting your job and, you know. I mean, it's just, it's easier for me to keep track that way of like, you know, I made a buy-in and a half. I lost half a buy-in. I lost three buy-ins. Well, that's true. And I mean, I guess it evens out too. Because let's say you're buying in for $300. You're going to have way more times where you have a five buy-in session that you're winning than if you're buying in for 1000 Because it's just way easier to triple up 300 than it is to $1,000. Yes. So your, your winning sessions and buy-ins is way is way more, but you're, but on when you're buying in for more, the winning sessions, the ones that where you're going to go broke are way less. True. Or broke for that session, not in general. Um, oh man. So here's, I mean, maybe we'll kind of end with this. I mean, if you made it to this point of the podcast, I mean, you might as well stay around here. What I'm going to do about it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's almost over. <laughs> Don't give oh, up now. <laughs> no, it's basically over. But um, I think my correction for the downswing is going to be like what I always do. I mean, just knit it up. Play super tight. I, I mean, even if you're running good and think you can play better post-flop and you've been able to do it for a long period of time, still, I'm just going to just go back to how I got there to begin with when I first started and just high card suited connectors and that's it pocket pairs well in pocket pairs. Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know but i'm it's saying a, like just yeah lock down just well i think that's just the biggest leak in most people's game and it's the most easy to exploit i mean if they're playing shit cards and you're playing good cards granted post flop there's a lot of leaks too but most of those post flop leaks are also based on you know those weaker pre-flop ranges too yeah, but I've been exploiting people paying off like, over bets and stuff on cards that they don't see coming and just knowing that my implied odds are almost infinite if we're playing deep enough. Yeah. I mean, if they're never going to fold when they flop two pair and you hit a straight, I mean, and no. then you're just going to get stacked every time. I mean. Oh, I still think, yeah, I still think that's good. But I, yeah, at the same token, yeah, I think the knitting it up, like, I think it's the biggest pre-flop leak in a lot of play. Oh, like at least maybe not Vegas or somewhere like there, but Texas where, I mean, it's super limp happy, super everybody wants to see 50% of the flops at least. I definitely think it's the way to go because, you know, a lot of the poker training material we were talking about probably like several podcasts ago, it's great, but at the same token, it goes a lot of heads up. And in where we're playing, it's just not that much heads up pots. I mean, like you can't really go get that tricky with it. I mean, you really, I mean, people shit on ABC poker, but at low limits, when you're kind of a limp happy, like limp call type happy preflop, it's kind of the way to beat low limits. Actually, the easiest way to beat low limits for certain. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean. I think I'll give that a try next week whenever I'm playing. 
you know, we'll see how long it lasts. Maybe an hour, maybe two. <laughs> I'll, I'll do like, my first half of the session super tight and nitty, and then I'll let you know how the second half of the session goes. <laughs> I was like, so we're going to try it for a little while until I get five dudes suited, and I'm not fully five dudes suited. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this has got to be it. I mean, this has got to be the end of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, people got stuff to do. Uh, I mean, maybe not us. <laughs> nothing nothing that important. Come on. Whoever's listening needs to get a move on. So <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. This is the end of episode 35. Bye. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.